Hello to all, and all are welcome. It's been so, so, so very long, um, in my opinion, at least. But I do hope that I do get uh, more listeners for this Halloween special. I'm pretty excited to talk about it. I don't know whether to call it night mode or just plain out, you know, Halloween special. And the reason why I say that is because uh, it will be told in the same fashion as night mode. But in this uh, episode, I don't even know how long it will be, but we will try to fit in as many theoretical creatures as we can. The first one that comes to my mind, yeah, we're jumping straight into it, yep. Um, the first one that comes into my mind are the djinn. So, the thing about the djinn that has drawn my attention is the fact that there's neutrality about them. They don't, they're not told as being good or bad. You know, they're told that they're made up of fire, but, you know, this fire isn't deemed malicious. You know, it, uh, it just simply means it's the makeup of who they are. As just as in the Bible, it talks about how man was made of dust. You know, so in the same way, it talks about the jinn being made of fire and smoke. And, you know, and when I speak about any of this stuff, I'm speaking from things that I've read and um, stumbled across and studied or found interest in. So none of this is baseline, you know, strict research or guided research or academic research. It's just simply opinions and insight into some of this stuff from my own thinking and my own psyche. And so the thing about the djinn, excuse me there, but the thing about the djinn is that, you know, they are these creatures, you know, um, they're portrayed in different settings such as genie, you know, um, I think ifrit, um, if you ever play the game Final Fantasy, Ifrit, uh, I think I'm saying his name right. Um, I think I used to call him Irift as a child, but I think, I don't know, anyway. Um, but Ifrit. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he would be somewhat considered a djinn, but, you know, I think there was American gods as well. Um, there was a djinn in there, very good portrayal of him, you know, and I know many would probably say it's, you know, insult or something, but the way that the sexuality was told was very clever. Um, just, to, you know, just to separate jinn from that of human being or, you know what I mean, from the thinking, because we cannot pass our own human thinking onto creatures that are not ourselves. And so that's where the jinn come from. You know, and that's, that's what, you know, kind of brings me to the jinn is this separation, but yet in the same grasp of neutrality whereas humans are portrayed as having free will and the jinn are portrayed in some sense as being slaves to magic um or slaves to owners as you know genies are concerned or just very dark miserable and hidden creatures you know the invisible and you know just to bring a little bit of science in it you know we can only see you know according to science we can only see five percent of the universe and who's to say that it's because our eyes have not yet acclimated 
you know what I mean? That's where the jinn fit in, you know what I mean? We can't deny their existence until we have acclimated to 100% of the universe. Now, I'm not saying our vision will change if, you know, we get to see more of the universe, but that is a hypothetical approach, you know, and that is where the jinn are, is that we can be walking side by side with the jinn and yet not even know they exist. You know, and they may be in the same thing. They may not even know we exist. They may exist in an area that may not be as blue as our world. You know, maybe it's filled with like fire and whatnot. And they are walking around just as we are walking around, just in a different environment. You know, and that's the separation of, you know, 5% versus 95% of universe being dark matter. You know what I mean? And so that is the approach where we can take with the jinn. And, you know, the thing that always fascinates me about them is just their, their for, for the first most, I'm very into aesthetics about everything, so their beauty, just, just imagine beauty, I'm sorry, just imagine beauty that I try to fit onto the gin, but I just fit, you know, something so lovely as flame, you know what I mean, something as so graceful and powerful, I don't imagine it lacking in beauty. You know, I could be wrong, but I don't imagine that flames could lack in beauty, or at least to my human eyes, you know what I mean? Um, so in the same sense, um, you know, so I don't see them lacking in beauty, uh, you know, according to flames, you know, just from my own eyes, so to say, you know. And so I just imagine them as these, you know, very graceful, beautiful, eccentric creatures you know living just as we are maybe not going grocery shopping maybe not living in a 95 9 to 5 but you know an ordinary that is ordinary to them you know what I mean and yet not attuned to how we live our life you know keep in mind this is a Halloween special and so we are talking about so many creatures as we can fit in so you know I don't imagine these gin to be anything you know terrible or evil, I just think it's the misinterpretation of the people looking into this stuff. The next creature is, you know, we'll go into mermaid if it fits easier. Um, now, with the mermaid, we can take that in the same analysis as jinn, right? If jinn are said to be made up of, uh, you know, fire, right? And humans are said to be made up of dust slash earth. And uh, what happened if mermaids are made up of, uh, let's say, uh, water? You know, maybe every so often you may come across a mermaid because they are so in tune with their own environment, the same way that the you know, the jinn cannot exist on the same plane as ourselves, and we cannot see them. Maybe we cannot see the mermaid when they are simply just in water. You know, maybe it's because their makeup is so similar to the chemistry of water that our eyes cannot separate the difference. And that is where the mermaids have come into existence through story, but yet have been, you know, failed to be analyzed as real or not real. Sure, you know, they are easily dismissed as mythical, but it's just a fun thought to think about. It's a fun thing to research about the possibility. And so that's why, you know, it remains popular as, and does it exist or does it not exist? 
And the whole story is very interesting. We have certain stories that draw us in, such as The Little Mermaid, you know, Peter Pan. Um, you know, there are some, I don't know if you read fairy tale books, but there's, you know, there's a, there's a fairy of the water. And that is the, the court of water, I guess. And, you know, most of them have adapted to the water to some, well, they, they, they I guess they all have adapted to the water because that is their species you know in the same way mermaid are the same way like they have adapted to their environment and to us it is just water now if we go into air i'm sort of unsure of where to go with that one because i, I sometimes want to say angels belong to the air right but at the same time angels can also be belong to the fifth element which is seen as spirit, you know, um, and that is the five-point star, you know. So if angels encompass the spirit, right, what encompasses air? Now, I, I, I'm, I'm unsure of how to go with that, but it has to be something that exists in our world that has wings, but can no longer be associated with that of spirit. I don't know. Maybe like a black and a white, but then that would be different from air and uh, spirit. That would be more of a difference between um, light and dark, as they said, or evil and good, so to say, or some text masculine versus feminine. You know what I mean? And so... So I don't want to put angels, you know, um, white wing angels and dark wing angels, you know, opposite of each other. But in some way there is could be some contrast. And in some texts they are portrayed as um, angels and demons. And regardless if you believe demons have wings, you know, Lucifer or Satan himself was said to be the cast down angel and, and said Lord of demons. So I don't really know how that works. Um, and so I don't know if demons belong to the air. So air is still open. You know, I'm open to hypotheses and stuff. But I'll remember, all of this is just creative thinking. This is all just in the spirit of Halloween. So let's move out of the spirit realm and think about other creatures. You know, another thing that I really want to talk about is the Fae. I touched briefly on that in the section of water as far as elements are concerned. But the same can be said as far as elements in the world of the Fae. You know what I mean? But the Fae encompass so much more of nature. In a way, you know, Fae could be said to be the original species. You know, which is why so many stories were told in honor of them. And uh, there's a series that I really enjoy. Uh, I'm going to say Cassandra Clare. I think so, with the Iron Kingdom series. And she talked about the difference between the, you know, the normal natural fairies versus the new upcoming Iron Fae. Now, in past, Fae have been allergic to iron. And so it was noticed that more iron was taking over their courts and therefore poisoning and killing the original Fae. And in some sense, there was a, a, a battle of territory, right? Eventually, you know, you will have to read the book to read the rest of it, but eventually it climaxed and 
there was a solution. You know, but I would really like you to read the book because it's, it's amazing. But um, yeah, it, it talks about the difference of nature and fairy. You know, you can even see that in, um, uh, what is it, the evil, the cruel king, um, or the wicked king series, something like that, or the queen of nothing. Type in one of those names, it should pop up. But it was the difference between, you know, it was like this battle between kingdoms, so to say. And it really was careful because it touched on one of my childhood fairy um, books. Because it's the same author, Holly Black. And it, she was also my favorite childhood author. But she, I guess she followed me into my adulthood. Um, but Holly Black, she came up with, you know, two fairy tales when I was younger. Very well crafted. And it just, you know, this, you know, this fluidness of connecting the past to the present. It just almost seems like she's grasped this other uh, this other reality and that is the reality of the fairy so i'm really excited about that story it was it was very well told um it was you know on your uh, on the edge of your seat type of story so i really would suggest reading that and to repeat it it is a uh, type in either the wicked king or the queen of nothing um, or the cruel prince, the cruel prince, the wicked king, or the queen of nothing. Uh, either one of those stories should bring you to the first one, which should be the cruel prince. Oh, it's a definite worthy read. But it's amazing how you know literature can attach certain hypotheses and thinking and stories. But just really look into this literature. You'll start learning a little bit more about how they process thought back then, even if not completely accurate. Yes, yeah, so we have other creatures, and uh, you know, my, my, my next take would be into Middle-earth. Uh, before we get into Middle-earth, I will say that I know, you know, witches are a thing as far as species are concerned, but we'll leave them alone as far as uh, Lord of the Rings is concerned, as well as uh, we'll call it Gryffindor. We'll leave it alone as far as Gryffindor is concerned. And so moving forward, you know, we in the Middle Earth, we have our species such as Warlock. Now I will, you know, know, maybe I'll talk about it. Maybe if, you know, definitely talk about it to some degree. Uh, warlock versus Witch, you know, male witch included. Uh, male witch is different from a warlock, but that is one of the species of Middle Earth, you know, um, Warlock being almost denoted by the color that they're wearing, you know, how Gandalf became uh, Gandalf the Grey became Gandalf the White. Um, so maybe his status was denoted by his color, you know, his level of magic, his level of control. As far as other species, we have elves, you know, we have dwarves, we have humans, we even have ghosts, you know what I mean? We even have uh, outlier characters such as. Um, not goblin. Goblin are definitely included, um, but we have, um, you know, the shapeshifters. Um, not sure if they touched on the mermaids in this episode, uh, but you do. Oh, and, and one of my favorites, Smaug, uh, the dragon, a very straightforward creature, but we'll touch on him a little bit, you know, heading into dragons. But... Um, yeah, in Lord of the Middle Earth, there's the elves who are seen as this graceful set of creatures, 
who hold a sense of uh, presence about them that cannot be denied. Their beauty, their grace, their skill, their everything about them is just noticeable. And that is the elves in all their glory. Um, one of their leaders is seen to hold this power of dark and light. I googled it and I don't see it referenced as such, but uh, to me it is a difference between dark and light and both being parts of her equally. You know, and she is seen as, you know, being this benevolent creature, but yet capable of such great darkness. And that is the power of elves. And then you have the power of doors, you know what I mean, where there, there's a great um, at, you know, making weapons and crafting weapons. That is the, the art of the dwarves, you know what I mean? Their, their skill, their, um, whether it be denied or not, their intelligence over fighting just being these master warriors, regardless of size. And then you have, uh, what is it, your humans, you know, just capable of great will, unrelenting, no matter what they're given and not given, they have shown their face no matter what to be victorious. And then you have your hobbit who are just courageous. You know what I mean? They don't ask for much. They don't want much. They want what is good, and they believe in themselves. You know, and then you have your ghost. Uh, we could talk about the goblin, the orc, just these seen as these hideous creatures. Don't really know the origin about them, but they are pretty dark. Um, and then you have uh, what is it, your shapeshifter, right? The man who became the bear. And then you have your ghost, which helped out the humans, the human king. And then you have uh, Smaug. Like I said, my favorite. And, uh, you know, now that we're kind of tying off Middle Earth, we can go straight into Smog as far as dragons are concerned. Um, now, Smog in the story of Middle Earth is seen as this creature that, um, you know, he could speak good. I like when they give creatures of that status ability to speak because they're not dumb. This dragon came off as his... Uh, to some people, greedy. But I don't know. I think there's a lapse in his judgment. I agree with him to an extent. And that is to the point where he says it's his gold. Now, if it was his gold to begin with, yes, no one should steal from him. But the gold belonged to the dwarves, and he killed the dwarves. I'm not really sure on the history behind that, but I'm not sure if killing a group of people and claiming it as your own actually makes it your gold. You know, sure, he's a dragon, he stands by courage or, you know, honor and stuff, but I don't know if that dragon was completely honorable. Other stories, dragon are usually honorable. You know what I mean? Even seen in the ending of Game of Thrones. I won't get into detail, but Game of Thrones really touched on dragons being honorable because it had a decision to make and it didn't do it. You know, you know the story if you watch the series. But that is the dragon. They are this, you know, these these monstrous, monstrous, um, quote unquote monstrous, but they are these monstrous beings capable of great fire and size and just ferocity. And in some stories, they are seen as benevolent guardian creatures or capable of being such. But um, these dragon, you know, they are, regardless if they're told to be good, 
quarterback, they're still very terrifying to witness. You know, they were of beauty and fear at the same time. Your heart leaped and dropped at the same time. It, it, the, the feelings you felt were unbelievable. You couldn't explain the um, contrasting behavior. That was the dragon. You know what I mean? But eventually, I don't know if it was their pride or the fear of the human that extinct them or caused them to go extinct because regardless of their size, they it was discovered that they had a weakness and that weakness was taken advantage of and the obviously the dragons could not adapt fast enough and so they were uh, killed off. But as far as who is the antagonist and who is the protagonist in that story, I can't really say because the dragons are long gone according to mythology. Let's get into other creatures. You know what I mean? Let's talk about um, gods and goddesses. You know, who are they? Where do they come from? Well, you know, in a lot of our stories in media, these gods and goddesses are portrayed as these very um, creative entities you know, long thought of to be myth, you know, erased from history because one religion deemed that they were more important than the other, you know, and, you know, just my experience with religion, I'm not sure how I lean into that. I, I don't know if, you know, the idea of religion is actually sound or if it's just the competition game because that's what it feels like. Um, but... You know, but yes, so anyway, that is, you know, just my take on modern day religion versus ancient religion. It was just a simple of, we want to be here now. And so we're going to make the world forget you ever existed. And so to me, I feel like it's just a competition of power because maybe so many people have lost guidance. So many people have lost what it means to follow a faith system, not to compare to one another, but to let your heart be guided home. Yet so many people are competing with who can be who more. And so they're devouring one another. And if that is the way your God chooses for you to live, then you can have it. You know, if that is the way you want to live behind your God, if that is what your God teaches to be okay, then you can have it. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, your religion does not make you more or less of your neighbor. Your religion is making you more of a better, making you a better version of yourself, so to say. And so why the competition? Anyway, this idea of modern-day religion almost erasing ancient religion. You know, we have gods of Greece, gods of Rome, gods of Egypt, you know, gods of Nordic mythology, Celtic. You know what I mean? We have, um, we even have gods of Africa. 
you know, other parts of Africa, such as West Africa, East Africa. Not sure about South Africa. But then you have your minor gods that exist in parts of the bayou. You might call them, I learned this from a good friend of mine. Um, she called it Papa Gold. I think I'm saying it right. But, you know, the, the use of the two names behind each other demonstrates, like, to be a point of power, because Papa to Louisiana or the Bayans or the Bayou, people of the Bayou, I'm not sure, please don't quote me, but I feel like they view their Papas as almost these godlike people who possess this great amount of gift-giving ability, this power, this godlike mastery over reality and uh, deal-making, and that is their Papa or their voodoo. Um, but then you have, um, you know, your gods that start back from Greece. You know, you have your Zeus, Hera, Hestia, Dionysus, you know, Hephaestus, Aphrodite, you know the rest. But they are seen to have their own domain. You know, Zeus having this domain over the sky, Aphrodite over the beauty, Hephaestus, weaponry. You know what I mean? And, you know, these are all the things that make up these gods of Greece, each one of them, and the list goes on, you know, from medicine to nature, you know what I mean? These are all Grecian gods. And before I get into the main point, let's go into Roman gods. Roman gods are simply the same thing, not same, I don't really understand them, the difference, but Rome and Greece had their counterparts of each other. Um, I'm not sure if Helios and Apollo were count, um, counterparts to each other because I, in some stories I heard that they shared the power of the sun. Um, but then you had, uh, let's see, Jupiter, or let's see, Mars and Aries. Mars and Aries. That was the difference between Greece and Rome. And then in Egypt, you had uh, deities such as Isis, Osiris, Anubis, Bastet, um, and this was of the, uh, I had it, it's an Egyptian old religion, it's an old ancient religion, um, holds great power, and uh, I, I almost had the name, almost had the name, but that is of the Egyptian gods, and then you have your Nordic gods, which you may have seen in Avengers, which are Thor and Odin and uh, Loki. You may have learned about those if you played games uh, such as Final Fantasy or uh, if you read some, you know, Percy Jackson. Was he in there? Yes, Percy Jackson. I think so. I'm not sure. Nope. Maybe just Final Fantasy. But that was your Norse gods. You know what I mean? And then you have, um, I don't want to even speak on other, um, you know, nations, but um, I may have come up with different names. You have your Omni, you know, and you have your Goblin. I think I learned about Goblin as far as Korean is concerned, and Omni is Japanese. And so um, those are, you know, the alternate names for maybe their gods and goddesses. And then you may have like Hindu, uh, which... I'm not really sure. I'm not sure if they believe that you are the god or that, you know, you have other deities such as uh, Shiva 
I think she's the only one I know. Oh, Ganesh. Ganesh. Um, that is their gods. And then maybe some not gods, like of Confucianism or Buddhism, which you may have Buddha. I'm not sure if he's counted as a god. But uh, yeah, you have different religions where they have different people that they have looked up to. You know what I mean? And then you can fall back on Christianity where you have your God, and then you have your um, League of Archangels. You know what I mean? And I just honestly feel like the way that a lot of these religions are taking, or these, you know, these paths and these mythologies, it's almost like a competition to say who has the best God. I know the competition doesn't exist now, but in the past, I feel like that's how something new came about. That someone always thought maybe their God best but you know that is just something i found interesting about um you know the gods and goddesses now if we get into the area of supernatural and i'm going to separate you know supernatural from the rest you know mythical versus uh you know fantastical you know let's tap into supernatural where we have things such as werewolves versus vampires versus witches you know what i mean i wouldn't say ghost i'm not sure how i feel about ghosts but maybe travelers have seen the vampire diaries i like the idea of travelers as holding this magic because travelers to me are more related to what people call gypsy which i also learned to be more of an insult to romanians i'm not sure but um that, but this idea of these nomads holding all of this power that is almost the traveler. The traveler has no home and yet their power is you know, seen as possessing them and possessing the world around them. That is the traveler. But other areas of supernatural creatures lie within you know, the werewolf versus the vampire versus the witch. Yes, we can talk about the witch. I will touch... Um, Gryffindor much later but and Gryffindor is quite simple um, but uh, to some extent but um, the you know as far as um, you know witches vampires and werewolves are concerned the vampire diaries colored it a little bit better than Twilight um, now Twilight tried but couldn't quite tell the story because in the book it was even mentioned that Jacob was not a werewolf, that he was in fact a shapeshifter. And so there was some sort of, you know, challenge in telling the story, I understand. And that's okay, because I believe the movie still came out well. But as far as the Vampire Diaries, I think because it was a series, it had more room to tell more of a story. And so we got to learn more about, like, you know, the original vampires who first became that, who came from witches, being like witches were one of the oldest creatures. And that, um, you know, werewolves was more of something was passed down through generation through generation that had to be activated in some sense. And it was just really cool how to talk about how these, these powers came together and not came together. You know, and we, at some point, we saw like a unison of them to some extent, you know, that varied. But one of my favorite creatures were the witches. And the witches and any religion, regardless if we're talking about the vampire diaries, if we're talking about, you know, ancient religion, religious hold, witches hold such presence. 
because they know how to blend. You know, they know how to exist. They know how to live. And they are necessarily the offspring of nature. And those are the witches. You know what I mean? So they are gifted with power. So as long as they abide by nature's commands, you know, once they abuse it, anything could happen to them. And that is the witch. And now uh, these vampires are seen to have come from something that was not meant to be, that was fueled by a level of darkness. And so as a even trade, I guess, they had to give up their souls so as to keep living. You know, it was just an even exchange. Like, you can't be this evil and then hope for everlasting life or something of that nature. And that was the vampire, whereas this werewolf was something. I don't know how far they fell back, but it was almost like this breed that activated when certain uh, events, you know, carried out. And that was how the werewolf activated. So, yes, you kind of have, like, these different creatures you know, and like I said, the supernatural realm is one of my favorites because it really touches on more of the immediate, you know, uh, species or like more of the things that you can imagine, so to say. So yeah, that is for, you know, supernatural. But then what about your uh, monsters? You know, are they considered a species? And, you know, what exactly are monsters? You know, um, are they really these evil creatures that hide under your bed or in your closet? Or how can we see monsters? But in some way, like in some stories, monsters can be humans. You know, I don't want to go into that because... I, you know, that's that's a really, you know, those are loose threads that you have to kind of dig deeper so that we can maneuver them a little bit better. But these monsters are depicted as these creatures that live nothing, that live for nothing more than to see you in anguish and to see you in pain and suffering. That's a monster. To some extent, that is true, but it's also their nature, right? And so can we deny that their nature is... Uh, you know, malevolent, because that is, you know, you know, our own judgment. It's almost the same way where we, some of us become vegans. And, you know, we also, I don't know if we don't see that, or we don't realize that we're also animals. I know we don't have to live with meat. I know, I know we have adapted, so we don't have to live with meat. But, you know, lions are natural predators, because... You know, they are just natural predators. They are mammals. You know, humans are mammals. To an extent, they are. So I guess, you know, this would be more counted as, you know, what is a monster? You know, um, is it this terrible creature? Or can we look beyond its monstrosity? Can we see that there is something that it can't control? Like, is there a design? And can we ourselves adapt to that design in a way of understanding? Like, hey, I understand you're a monster, but let's see if we could do it. I know it can, it sounds kind of ridiculous because next thing you know, the monster's biting off your head. But like, is it possible to some extent to look at this creature? Um, but then what do we have? We have a, 
other things that kind of exist across time, which is um, ghost, right? We have some greater beings, which are like this uh, Cupid, you know what I mean? Step away from Cupid, but if we have it, we have love, right? We have uh, Father Time, right? Mother Nature, you know, the Grim Reaper, right? These are all things that exist in our reality that we fail to touch on as in, could they be something that are tangible, like concrete in the sense that we can say, these are real things? Because basically we're concluding everything within our own reality because of what we cannot do. And I'm not sure if that works. And even talking about that, we can transition into the next feature, which is a sense, a creature of the future. And, you know, if we think about, like, the Iron Kingdom and stuff like that, as far as the Fae that I mentioned, we have AI, artificial intelligence, the area of robotics. And the reason why I, you know, separate them from human beings is because right now we're afraid of AI. But why? You know what I mean? We have to ask ourselves this question because are we imposing some of these same restrictions on? And if you listen to the interview with uh, Dr. Melissa King, she touched on a lot of that, those points of our own projections onto these creatures. Very well said. It's, you know, it's very, it's similar, you know, it works in tandem with some of, you know, some of the hypotheses um, that fall in my head as well. You know, and so... I think it would do it um, more of a justice if we stopped, you know, putting or placing these, you know, robots into or these this AI into categories of ourselves because the only way they can be ourselves, right, if we program them or if they adopt it to our way of behavior. But how do we separate them? You know what I mean? And then you have your guardian, you know, creatures, which may be seen as a tooth fairy or... Um, Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or Cupid again as far as Valentine's uh, but those are your guardian things those are the ones that hold the happiness of the earth you know those are the ones that hold the the positivity even when all else fails you can always believe in a happy Santa you know and you can always count on him for being good for the tooth fairy you can always count on an exchange of finance for a loss. You know what I mean? Um, Sandman, even when you're stressed out, you can count on sleep. For Easter Bunny, you can count on fertility. You know, these are the guardians of happiness, so to say. Not all of these apply to everyone. You know, it's unfortunate, or not unfortunate, just, it, it's, just, it's just the way it is, you know. They don't have all of these gifts, and that is okay. They are just in their own life. But for the most part, these are portrayed as the guardians of the earth. And then we have, you know, other things, you know, um, you shapeshifters as far as uh, these cartoon characters, such as, have you heard of the Animorphs? You know what I mean? Do those exist? You know what I mean? And so, you know, now that we talked about, like, the past as far as the fairy is concerned and the present, what we can be seen as, seen like, supernatural or religion or something. I mean, we even talked about the future as far as AI is concerned. So, in a way, 
what I'm actually inviting you to do is not accept all of these as reality, but maybe your imagination is not the scariest thing in the world. Maybe it doesn't have to hold the key to all the issues in the world or all the problems and the bloodshed and the warfare. Maybe it doesn't have to hold the key to all of this darkness in the world. Maybe you can light it up, you know, walk with it and let it feel where it may explore. You know what I mean? Maybe that is the gift of humanity. It's ability to love regardless of anything. So as humanity, why don't you use the gift that has been given to your kind? Love one another. So goodbye to all and may all be well. I'm sorry, wait a minute, we can't uh, say goodbye just yet. I'm sorry, I, I said an early greeting or I didn't want to edit this part in, so I'm just going to speak on it. But uh, to be honest, I don't really know too much about uh, Harry Potter. All I know is that there's an English school and then there's an American school. And it's on Pottermore. So if you wanted to go check it out, like you can get sorted and stuff like that. But the only creatures I really know of are like the giants, uh, the ghost that belong to the academy. Um, and then the witches were the students, you know what I mean? There really was no difference between witch and warlock, I'm not sure. Um, and then you had like Whomping Willow, and then you had like your Gryffindor and your Phoenix. And in true legend, I think according also according to Chinese mythology, the Phoenix is actually the rival of the dragon. So I don't think Harry Potter actually did it justice. Um, but that is uh, the Phoenix... Um, and so Harry Potter is uh, full of like color and stuff like that and it really touches on playfulness so uh, that's Harry Potter like I said I don't really know too much about it they do use like typical broomsticks they play games and stuff like that I don't know and they use wands it's kind of interesting um, so yeah and then as far as like Warlock is concerned, I don't think a lot of stories actually do talk about like the differences, but I think um, a Warlock is much different than Witch. I think a Witch is somewhat of human born and Warlock has existed beyond the measures of time. I'm not really sure, but they don't really have a standard human birth. Um, so, not really sure, but yeah, that's uh, the areas that I promised I would touch on, so I touched on them. Um, and then also, especially with male witches versus warlocks, I think male witches are seen as more aesthetic or like into their looks and metrosexual, whereas warlock, they usually <laughs> let themselves go. Um, not because it's like their style, but I think it's just the way that they incorporate magic into their works. You know, I think a warlock actually uh, does magic to work on the external, whereas the male witch does magic to work on the internal. Um, so that is the difference between like male witch and a warlock, uh, just according to my pencil, I mean opinion. Um, so there you have it. Uh, just a you know quick touch on that. So serious this time. I hope. Goodbye to all.
and may all be well. Thank you.